0: If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up, because we have some exciting news for you. Listen. Yeah,
1: listen. Saturday, July.
0: Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz
1: Show live one night only or one afternoon only, part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3 p.m. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going out for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3 p.m. Also 2024.
2: Yeah, 2024, yeah. Listen.
1: Yeah. Listen. Listen. Hey, Ugh. and get tickets. Buy ticket at Come tickets on. At dogoonpod.com. Com. Come.
3: Let's start. Do-
2: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit
0: planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart.
2: Hello Jess and hello Dave. It's good to be here again.
0: Hi, Matt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you you look like you were poising to do the next bit. I
0: was going to, and then, because you kept going, I freaked myself out, and I couldn't do it. And then I left too long a pause, and I thought, all right, Jess, you got to go for a different joke here. Uh, and I did a... I did, I don't know, a a no end for you. I
2: love it. I love a block. Yeah. I love a comedy block. Because what Matt has uh, unfortunately done there is the musical episode is next week. Oh, no. I've gone early. (laughs) That's story of my
0: life. (laughs) (laughs) What am I (laughs) like?
2: Dave, we've got a really exciting thing out at the moment. Would you say that? I'd say that.
0: I'd say it too.
2: I would agree. With
0: who? Matt or me?
2: (laughs) Both. Oh. Oh.
0: Can you? Interesting. Yeah, you can never pick her. a side, can you?
2: It's on our... Uh, no, it's not on our YouTube channel. It's on the Stupid Old channel, uh, and it's our new web series. One episode down so far. That's right. We
1: released it uh, just a few days ago now. The first episode is about the history of the Hollywood sign, and basically it's like a multi-dimensional version of this podcast.
0: Yeah. It's got all the dimensions. Yes. Sound. Looking. <laughs> um, smell. Yes. Uh... Uh, uh, t- space. Space. And taste.
2: You got to lick your computer though. Yep. But we we went around individually and put a little bit of our own taste yeah. on all of your computers. The
0: snozberries <laughs> taste like snozberries.
2: So don't make that a waste of our time. You lick your <laughs> goddamn computers.
0: Okay. It took a lot of time and effort. Too much, some would argue.
2: Mm.
0: Our accountant...
2: But yeah, go check that out. It was so fun. We've been getting, I think, nearly nothing but positive feedback. So go look at it and tell us how we can improve it. <laughs> <I> no, <know. laughs> Nah, don't do that. <laughs> Balance it out a little nah. bit. No, nah, don't. Just give right. it, we're very fragile. Give us only good news. And it's
0: too late to change anything, obviously. That's
2: true. We, re- we filmed it uh, pre-COVID and you'll notice that because we are sitting basically on each other's laps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a different time. <laughs> a
2: different time. Now we are a good 1.5 meters away from each other.
0: At all times.
2: Um, But the way this podcast works is probably best described by Jess Perkins in song.
0: Fuck (laughs) you. Every week (laughs) one of the three (laughs) does a report. Brings it back to the class. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? that on call. <laughs> so, fuck you.
2: And the way we get onto topic is with a question. This week I'm doing the report, so I'm asking the question. And my question is... I'm gonna give. I'm gonna open up to Jess first because I know Dave knows the answer to this. Aww. Jess, okay. Do you get free. You get first free shot.
0: Yeah, but what if I don't know it and then I look dumb? Which
2: legendary comedy actor is known for his roles in such shows as oh, Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, and News Radio?
0: Who's in SNL and The Simpsons?
1: Uh, he, he's Not
2: wearing a tie at all. <laughs> Famous oh, for his shit. roles. You might know him from. <laughs> Fuck.
1: What's his name? Mothballing my battleship. Dig your own grave and save. I know who it is. The I president's do- neck is missing. I'm going to throw it open <laughs> Go, Dave. to Dave. I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil Hartman. Uh, it is Phil you. Hartman. Shit. That's really cool.
2: I don't know. Were we? Do we have microphones in front of our faces when we talked about our favorite Simpsons characters before? That was on the Patreon bonus episode, uh-huh. which came out this week. And I was... I was so excited to hear uh, <laughs> that we all love Phil Hartman characters. I'm yes. like, oh, I've got some fun coming up later tonight. That is exciting. <laughs>
1: we just recorded an episode and, to be honest, it nearly went for an hour and a half. So we used to say there were mini, but then are mini many
2: bonus episodes. We promised many, but sometimes we over-deliver.
1: Yeah, for our Patreon and I did a report on the great Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, amazing. The original Tiger oh. Kings.
2: Oh, that was, that was so fun. I reckon it's one of the best bonus uh, episodes we've done.
0: And like on that. You said who are the original Tiger Kings and my mind couldn't get to Siegfried and Roy fast enough. It was the same here. I could see his face immediately. There's a particular picture of him that's in my head right now and I could not get his name. And then you said, and I was like, fill Ah!" (laughs) up.
2: So he's been suggested by uh, three people, uh, by Megan Reef, in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, which sounds like a cool Shippensburg. place. Shippensburg. Also by Dan Brunetti of Canterbury. And thirdly, by Selena Hoots.
0: <laughs> a lovely name.
1: Of
2: I San know. Jose, California, USA.
0: Great suggestions and great names, all of you.
2: So, the, I mean, I don't know if he, you know, most people probably know that he, uh, the story doesn't end nicely. So, but. Mm. Philip Edward Hartman <laughs> was born on the 24th of September 1948 in Brantford, Ontario in Canada. Uh, he was the fourth of eight children, parents Doris and Rupert. Eight.
0: Where does that sit on the scale? Oh, too many. Absolutely too many.
2: Yeah, does it put any questions in your mind?
0: My main question is do they know what's causing it? <laughs> That's my main question. A good question. I don't it know if I have question. others. My other question would be how do you think of so many names?
2: Right, yeah. Eight geez, eight names. Because
0: my dad is one of eight. Yeah. And there's a Joan and a John. (laughs) (laughs) They ran out. They ran out. Yeah. What and the first two kids just named after the parents.
2: Oh smart. Wow.
0: And then that seems like And then they only had to think of six names and they still went Joan (laughs) and John. Crazy. That's the kind of, you know, family I come from. They had a boy first and a girl and thought, well, I'm being We've already named what a him, funny! Phillip so at Jr. one
2: point they're a family of four with two names.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so
2: confusing as well.
3: Who are you them?
0: talking to? Me or the kid? Me or the toddler? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in trouble for not doing the dishes? I can't keep up.
2: Um. So yeah, I I love it. I think Canada's like feel like they overachieve with comedy. Yeah. So many of the great comedians seem to be. Um, born in Canada. Mm. Uh, His dad, Rupert, was a building supply salesman and Doris was a homemaker. Great couple name, I reckon, Rupert and Doris.
0: Love that. Doris is particularly good.
2: Love it very much. According to a CBS profile, the Canadian-born Hartman himself once credited his talent to his birth order. Quote, I'm from a large family. I'm a middle child, he once said. I suppose I didn't get what I wanted out of my family life, so I started seeking love and attention elsewhere, end quote. That's a a bit of a classic thing you hear sometimes from people in in the biz, the show biz, that is. Mm.
1: (laughs) I thought when you said birth order, you meant like it was my birthright. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My heritage, I was destined to be a comedy great. I came
2: from a building supply salesman (laughs) and a homemaker. Obviously. Obviously, uh, One plus one equals.
0: I was expecting a youngest child.
2: Ah, uh, right, because they're always...
0: Show-offs. Well,
2: show-offs, right. I'm a middle child. You're an eldest, yeah, okay. aren't you? I'm a youngest. Youngest. David and I are both youngest. Yeah, right. So doesn't that make sense? Show-offs.
0: I'm a baby. I'm a widdle baby, that's what I say <laughs> at family talking? dinners. I say, oh, I'm a widdle baby. You have to feed me. My brother punches me still.
2: <laughs> and you're, you're always wearing. my diaper needs changing. Yeah, I'm always in a nap. <laughs> You've got a weird accent. <laughs> and that's no funny. top on. <laughs> <laughs> Just, this Just is, please.
0: It's not funny anymore. Please. Hasn't been funny for 30 years. I'm I do not know. I'm a window baby. I love
2: that as well cuz you're 29 <laughs> and it hasn't been funny for 30 years. <laughs> not since the womb has this bit worked. <laughs> uh, when Hartman was 10, the family moved to Lewiston, Maine in the United States, then on to Meriden, Connecticut, before landing in suburban LA where he attended Westchester High School. Mm. This is the first time I really took notice of the spelling of Connecticut. It's spelled Connecticut. Yes, I'd never noticed that before. Mm. <laughs> I thought Americans were the ones who just pronounce words as they were written.
0: Yeah, like aluminum.
2: Yeah, we spell aluminium differently. Do we? Yeah, we got an extra letter.
0: Oh, I always thought they just missed it. But if it's spelled differently, I, I think guess it's that actually spelled
2: differently. Dave, you got the tie-breaking vote here
1: asphalt A <laughs> <laughs> oregano
2: um so he was a bit of a class clown at westchester once telling an interviewer quote i was class clown because i could do john wayne jack benny jack kennedy lyndon johnston and entertain my friends on the senior lawn end quote showing signs of his gift for mimicry that would later make him famous
0: i like to imagine that his voice has always sounded like that because <laughs> yeah. he has a beautiful huh. voice what
2: a voice oh what a voice
0: and I imagine a, like a 13-year-old with that voice.
2: It's like we call Dave golden tonsils, but...
0: but he's got
1: platinum my, my voice is running out this week, so we'll see if <laughs> I make the whole episode. He,
2: not only, he's got not only golden tonsils, but a golden lips, golden teeth, <laughs> golden gums. <laughs> 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 I can't talk. <laughs> Hell, hey. <laughs> According to the New Yorker, in his teen years, Hartman surfed, drew, grew pot, smoked pot, I meant... Maybe grew it as well. Hmm. Acted in theatre productions, dated girls, and did impressions to uh, entertain his friends. After school, he kept surfing and smoking pot, but also enrolled in an art course at Santa Monica College, but dropped out to become a roadie for a band called Rockin' Foo. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe up there for the new worst band name I've ever heard.
0: Rockin'
1: Foo.
2: Foo? F-double-O. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: Again, I don't know if the Foo Fighters are named after them. They had a beef with them What early. is
0: Foo. Well, Foo awesome. Fighter, that was a, a type of plane. Right. Foo, though, it's called Foo Fighter. Yeah. Crazy. I didn't know that. Huh? I never thought about it.
2: It's also the, what's the other, what's the initialism? What's the other one? Acronym. Acronym. It's also the acronym for my favorite ever racehorse, Fields of Omar. He's one of those <laughs> guys who had a bunch of noteworthy mini careers outside of the career that made him famous. Hmm. So, he was a roadie, Um but after his sin has ready, he went on to study graphic arts at California State University, after which he opened his own graphic design company. I also read that he worked for his brother. They contr- seem to contradict each other, but right. anyway, um, small detail there. During this time, he helped design more than 40 album covers, including for bands including Poco, Steely Dan, America, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash. He designed their album covers. He did. You know, that there's this sort of Celtic cross-style logo for Crosby, Stills, and Nash, he designed that.
1: That is the best fun fact I've heard in ages. Wild. Yeah,
2: no, like... Uh, wow. That, for me, I'm dining out on that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That's a super cool thing. But, um, he, yeah, that's just a little footnote in, in his, his life. life.
0: That's wow. really cool. That's very cool.
2: Uh, and I, I read a quote, him describing it somewhere. He's like, he. I don't think he was super proud of it. And then, like, it's probably none of it is super groundbreaking art design or anything. But... Um, He said he only has one of those album covers up on his wall. So I don't know, I sort of reading between the lines, he wasn't super proud of all of it, but still, what a rad thing. And that was just like in his 20s, just banging out some, you know, three of those bands are legendary. I don't know if I know Poco, but Steely Down, America, and Crosby Stills and Nash are all huge.
0: Yeah, and then Rocking Foo. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not forget Rocking Foo. Uh,
2: According to ABC News... Hartman was living a bohemian existence where pot was plentiful. Around, I just never thought of him as a pothead either. He, like he always plays sort of, or not always, but usually plays pretty straight kind of characters. Yeah. Uh, around this time, he met Gretchen Lewis, who would go on to become his first wife. They married in 1970. So he was still quite young, obviously. Doesn't
0: bode well when you say first wife.
2: <laughs> yeah, so he's 20, 21, 22 Steve Small, Hartman's close friend and lawyer, told the ABC News program 2020 that, quote, Phil fell in love easily, but wasn't very skilled at continuing a relationship. Okay. By 1972, Hartman and Lewis had divorced. According to a jam showbiz profile, quote, Hartman always thought he'd be just another working guy who had little or no interest in showbiz. But he was a little lonely working at, a, at his graphic designer desk every day by himself, usually entertaining only himself with flights of voice fantasies. Man, I would have loved to have been in that room just watching <laughs> Phil Hartman just mucking about with voices.
1: Yeah. On his own? I oh, want would it sound like if John Wayne went on a uh, <laughs> on a drinking night with Jack Kennedy? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it might go a little something like this. That sounds
1: crazy. <laughs>
2: Deciding he had to find an outlet, he started studying at the LA improv company, The Groundlings, in 1950 uh, 1975. You, you know, The Groundlings? I, yeah. I know it as a, quite one of the big um, improv joints.
0: Yeah, lots of big names have come out of there. Uh,
2: he said, I more or less started taking workshops for the fun of it. And 10 years later, I was still doing it for the fun of it. Apparently, the first time he got on stage was they do it. Well, they used to at least do a a part in the show where they'd bring up someone from the audience. And apparently, he put his hand up, got, got up on stage... And others said, we'd never seen anyone come up with that kind of energy. You know, he was, it was really memorable. His right away, his first ever performance. Ooh. And then <laughs> soon after he was. He came back
1: and gonna... <laughs> had some guy and he's better than they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck's this idiot?
2: <laughs> it would be so annoying. Yeah. I've worked really hard.
0: It's like most of the time hecklers contribute nothing to the show, but then every now and then when they're funnier than you, you're like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck
2: you. This is somehow worse. Yeah. Uh, Mike Thomas, who wrote, you might remember me, the life and times of Phil Hartman, tells it via an article in the New Yorker that, and it's, I quote this a little bit, but uh, this is from the New Yorker article. Hartman was instantly good, a performer whose utter commitment begat brilliance, an indispensable utility player who could be counted on in all scenarios. <laughs> Pretty glowing wow, praise for yeah. a performer. John Lovitz, who you probably know from a bunch of stuff, Simpsons and of Saturday course. Night Live and... I loved his uh, wedding singer role. Yes. He's, the, uh, he's like the, is he a DJ or is he the other wedding singer? He's like in yeah, competition can, with Adam Sandler yeah. anyway. And there was this one scene he, um, <laughs> when Adam Sandler was starting to lose it a bit. Lovitz is behind, picks from behind a curtain and he goes, he's losing his mind <laughs> and I'm reaping all the benefits. And then he sort of disappears. <laughs> and that classic Lovitz voice um, Rat John-
0: Race, another great one from John Lovitz. <laughs> An all-time
2: anyway. great. Everyone remembers it. Rat Race. It was an all-star cast.
0: Oh, my God. Rowan Atkinson. John Cleese.
2: Yeah. I think it was one of those films where the best thing about it was the <laughs> the cast. You uh, just
1: looked at me like... Is Whoopi in it? Uh,
2: it feels like one of those ones is everyone's in might it. Might be. Burt, Burt Reynolds? Or am I thinking of Cannonball Run? I,
1: reckon I, I probably saw it when I was 10 years old. Or 11 when it came out.
0: Is that A's? Is that A's? <laughs> Classic Atkinson.
2: Oh, classic Atkinson.
1: We got Rowan Atkinson, John Cleese, Whoopi Goldberg, Cuba Gooding Jr., Seth Green, John Lovitz, Brecken Meyer, Amy Smart.
0: Yes,
2: that is that's quite a lineup. Big lineup. Was it a good
1: movie?
0: It was fine. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think it was
1: good for an eleven-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: at that about that age loved it.
2: So, was it when to come out? Nineties.
1: Oh, August 17, thousand and one. A much more innocent time. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> just pre 11 world. Um, so. Uh, John Lovitz, a groundling at the time, too considered Hartman a big star, someone who could be told to play a shoe salesman and deliver something jaw-dropping. Wow. Quote, whatever he was going to imagine or say was nothing you could imagine or think of. He could do any voice, play any character, make his face look different without makeup. He was king of the groundlings.
0: Whoa, what amazing praise. I've
2: seen it in, um, recent interviews with Lovitz and he's just he talks about the first time he met him um, he started soon after and he was playing an understudy in a play they were doing where Hartman was the lead. And uh, he said, Oh and and he the first thing he said to him was, I'm um I'm understudy for this character and and Phil Hartman goes to him, Oh, you'll be great. And Lovitz remembers walking away going, Oh my god, I just spoke to Phil Hartman.
0: Oh wow.
2: <laughs> He's just like he was Yeah, which is pretty amazing.
0: That's so nice. Uh
2: his first on-screen experience was as a contestant on the dating game, a blind dating show. He won the episode, being selected at the end of the episode by the Bachelorette. Yeah, I'd, 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 we've had similar shows here. Yeah. I can't remember what they're called, but yeah, some perfect sort of match. perfect match. Yes. So he was even. Dave's good. done live version. Yeah, of
1: yeah. I did do a, a few years of live versions of that show, but hmm. so he's even good. On that chart. Yeah.
2: Well, sort of. But I mean, yeah, it was a different time kind of thing. Because He he goes, he later recalled uh, that winning was, quote, that was the worst part of it. The other two guys were dolts. (laughs) What did it? She asked me, if I was a street sign, what would I be? I said, slippery when wet. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, yes. And as you might have expected, she stood me up. So she did for a TV date. She didn't go to the date. I wouldn't. I oh, no, well, that's what he said. Why did you, you go on expect. the show though? And she picked him after he said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I guess she, yeah, slim pickings. I guess.
0: I mean, what a fucking ridiculous question. Yeah. Uh, I think you'd be stop
2: sign. It's but it's one of those questions where they're pretty much begging for him to say that exactly or something like that, and then like ooh. Yeah, like I would say hump. Yeah. Hump ahead or something. Hump
0: <laughs> oh, Because I'm going to hump you. Yeah, yeah, no, I got it. I got it, Darren.
2: <laughs> Yield because I'm going to be the strong one in this relationship and you back down.
0: Okay. It's all creepy.
2: Yeah. There was a sign. Roundabout. Slow children ahead.
0: <laughs>
1: where what? Our, our,
2: our kids are not going to be that smart. <laughs> <laughs> there was
1: a sign on my street where I grew up. And it was a give way sign, but someone had just written in, and it was there for like twenty years. Give way to my dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'd be. Give way to my dick. Um, I didn't good. know that was a sign. Yeah, well, if you lived on Valeney Drive, you'd know.
2: It. Give <laughs> way to my dick. That's the one that you see. Well, I don't know if you still see that much, but I remember seeing a lot. Younger was a lot of people wrote under stop. They'd write hammer time. You see that around? Classic. I've, it's a, I've never seen that's that. a good How bit. How old are you? <laughs> 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 How dare you! I was definitely alive for Hammer Fever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Hammer.
2: <laughs> but I think it was way out of date, even when I was seeing this as graffiti. Yeah, that's really right. funny. So we're into the seventies, and um, he began to get some voice work in the late. Seventies. I think his first one was one the whatever the nineteen seventy nine version of Scooby Doo was. I think it was called Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo. He also did voice work for the Smurfs, the Jetsons, and Dennis the Menace. Oh so, wow! a Few iconic shows. Um, he started scoring some small film ro- roles as well, such as. Uh, in the Gong Show movie, he played a role called Man at Airport with Gun, <laughs> and okay. in uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie, he played the role Actor being filmed in the background. Okay, big
0: uh, big star.
2: Yeah, so he was climbing. Uh, he met Paul Rubens at the Groundlings, and they started a creative partnership with Hartman helping Rubens develop his Pee Wee Herman character, mm-hmm. which I know I know by name, but I don't really. I watched a little clip. And he seems like quite an annoying character, yeah. but I think it was a it was a big deal at some point. Have you heard of Pee Wee Herman? I've
1: heard of Pee Wee Herman, yeah. Yeah, and there was some controversy where the actor was caught like in an adult cinema or something, and then he had to sort of disappear for a few years, uh, and then could come back.
2: Yeah,
0: Cause was it like a children's character or like just yeah? Because I think you would appeal or family friendly, like a family friendly say. character, and
3: then
1: right. I don't think he was doing anything like illegal or anything. It was just like, oh. You're watching
2: porn?
0: Yeah. Why would you go to a cinema for that?
2: guess it was probably, it must have been pre-internet. Oh, or maybe okay, okay. you'd like the camaraderie. It always feels like the a weird thing to go, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, at a normal cinema, they just have to pick up a lot of popcorn. This cinema is oh. a little different. <laughs>
2: This, that stickiness isn't spilt Pepsi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, <yuck.
2: laughs> uh Oh, yeah. So, Hartman helped develop that character of Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Which is a wild fact as well. In 1982, Hartman married again to real estate agent Lisa Strain. But this marriage ended less than three years later. According to Strain, he would... And I saw, I, I think she obviously, she either married again or changed her name because she's also referred to as Lisa Jarvis in different articles. So I think I, I end up just calling her Lisa. But anyway, at this point I'm calling her Lisa Strain. Uh, she said he would disappear emotionally. Phil's body would be there, but he'd be in his own world. That passivity made you crazy. Passivity? Pass, passiveness is what I'd say. <laughs> but I passivity. like making up fresh words. <laughs> um Quote goes on, oh this is a separate quote from her. My sense of Phil was that he was really two people, she later told 2020. He was the guy who wanted to draw and write and think and create and come up with ideas. He was the actor and entertainer, and then he was the recluse. Seeing Phil at Groundlings, at the Groundlings was Phil being true Phil. You know, as time goes by, you understand that his personas are his protection and they are his personality. But she said it was, it was, t- uh, that, that does seem to be repeated in his relationships. John feel there's something a bit, feels a bit like uh, intrusive, me even reading about some of this stuff about his relationships. But apparently, you know, he he would be a bit distanced at times mm-hmm. and that would cause issues um, yeah, with enough. his marriages. Obviously, it's hard to be in a relationship with someone who's emotionally distant. Uh, from the New Yorker Hartman met Bryn Omdahl at a party in 1985, soon after his second marriage ended. Sober then, Omdahl had terrible trouble with cocaine and alcohol in the past. Thomas, who wrote that biography, writes, When Phil met Bryn, he may well have been at his most vulnerable state in years. His second marriage's ending had shaken him, and his performing career wasn't taking off. Omdahl was strikingly beautiful, Thomas writes, and the affections of a statuesque blonde may have bolstered Hartman's deflated self-image, but their relationship, he says, was bumpy from the get-go. Oh, that's such weird. Like, I don't know why I even read that out. Like, a, a, a biographer later going, this may have been why he could have done this. It all feels like kind of almost pointless. Um, speculation. Speculation, thank you. Uh, in 1985, his career was starting to pick up. Quote, Pee-wee's big adventure was released, which Hartman co-wrote with Ruben and Michael Varhol. Uh, in the film, the du- directorial debut of Tim Burton, which I found surprising, ah. Tim Burton's first film apparently was Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure.
0: Oh, right.
1: Hartman yeah. in
2: that film also had an on-screen role as reporter.
0: Okay. Not in a- He wrote the film, <laughs> co-wrote it, and the only role they could think to give him was reporter. I'm sure he did a great job though.
2: Yeah, he'd be a great reporter. I think <sighs> he played news people a few times.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, The film was a hit, which led to Rubens hosting Saturday Night Live in character as Pee Wee, and Hartman was hired to write material for the episode. Creator and executive producer of SNL, Lorne Michaels, enjoyed Hartman's work and said uh, so to Rubens' manager, who, according to Thomas, told him, in effect, you ain't seen nothing yet. Love that manager character. Wow, this Hartman guy's great. Yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) Despite all the complimentary words about Hartman, he was a lot more modest about himself, later saying, as an actor, I felt I couldn't compete. I wasn't as cute as the leading man. I wasn't as brilliant as Robin Williams. The one thing I could do was voices, impersonations and weird characters. And there was really no call for that, except on Saturday Night Live. I was say, if only
1: there was a show that had that every week. In
2: 1986, Hartman was hired by SNL as a performer and writer. As well as Hartman, Jan Hooks, Dana Carvey, Victoria Jackson, and Kevin Nealon were added uh, to that same cast, uh, which already included Dennis Miller, Nora Dunn, and John Lovitz. So John Lovitz oh. got to SNL before him, and then they got to work together on air there, which is pretty cool. That's nice. I've been just reading about SNL for a while. It sounds like a, a brutal time. There's, all, there's so many big stars that I didn't even know did time on there. Like Chris Rock was on it for a while. Ben Stiller did a year on it and all these people sort of bombed out on it. I read an article was written a few years ago that ranked every ever cast member. Jesus. ranked <laughs> so they ranked the worst ever cast member at 120 something or whatever. It's a real rough article. And they're not and they're mean for the first half. Which is wild. I'm like, ah. oh what a, I, It sounds like the shittest job to get ever, but and it's they're also, still
0: better than so many other people who want that yeah, job. Yeah, every
2: year like two thousand people audition and four get in or something. Yeah. Probably more.
1: It's probably more, to be
0: honest.
2: So, and it just sounds like it's the kind of job that is always stressful. I listened to Conan O'Brien's podcast with Mike Myers recently. And Mike Myers, who's the big star, huge success on that show, he said every week he thought he was going to get fired. He never enjoyed it. He was always stressed about getting sacked. Fuck. It's just, there's something about the culture of that show that just sounds like you're just. And they, they have a, their thing is they work all the way through the night on Tuesdays and they write the show. All the writers are in overnight. Everyone has to be there and work through the night to write the show. Why? I don't know. Everything, it just sounds like this is how it started decades ago. It's on Saturday ago. night. Yeah. So
0: why couldn't you Not, work Monday to Friday at regular hours? I think
2: they meant to work full time, but then they do, for, maybe it's Thursday, but one of the nights they write the show overnight. Anyway, I was just wow. like, "Oh, this sounds like full toxic." But
1: do you know who was voted number one?
2: Uh, I do know that. Do you? Are you asking me because no. you don't know? No? Um, it was. Oh, I should say Phil Hartman was in the top six.
0: Wow. Need
2: find it. I think um, Will Ferrell or something. Will Ferrell's up there, but he was like, I think it was around the top ten, um, and. Uh, Tina Fey was right up. I think she was like three or something. Uh,
0: and is it based on just their time on SNL?
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, great. It was in the Rolling Stone as a well, uh, Rolling Stone Holy magazine as shit. well. So it was like a it w- man. It would have been heartbreaking for so many people who <laughs> would have heard about forty five. <laughs> Who's 145? That's awful. Robert Downey Jr. 145.
0: Okay. He'll be all right.
2: Yeah, I think he-
0: <laughs> I didn't know he was on it. Yeah, I, didn't I don't know either.
2: The Muppets were on briefly early and they were ranked very low, one forty four. So So hang on, Robert Downey only-
0: Jr. was the worst.
2: And then the Muppets second worst.
0: But he's Robert Downey Jr. And yeah, I know the, I think and they're
2: the Muppets. I think yeah, that's right. So they both bounce back, okay. But that's what it it says. Robert Downey Jr. is a comic genius. Making him unfunny stands as SNL's most towering achievement in terms of sucking. How do you fuck up a sure thing like Downey? He's funny in anything. I mean, dude was funny in weird science, anyway.
0: He is funny.
2: Gilbert Gottfried. Gottfried was 141. Colin Quinn, like legends. Norm Macdonald, 139. (laughs) Randy Quaid, 138.
0: Sorry, I'm late, Mr. President. (laughs) It's my favorite line from Independence Day. (laughs) Delivered by Randy Quaid.
2: Oh yeah, right. He's Sorry, he's yeah. he's real funny. Again, I think they sort of say that about him. How do I get to the I number one? But you yeah, so it's pretty amazing. There were so many forever. people I, you know, you just never heard of even in it.
0: But then so I would not. I would. I Will was Forte, say, at
2: fifty-two. Who's one of the bigger recent ones?
0: I was going to say one forty-five has to be a name we've never heard of, and then it was Robert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm mean I'm the same. Uh, Lovitz was at nineteen.
2: Oh my god. Sandler at seventeen. Kristen Wiig. Fourteen, Bill Hayter, thirteen, Will Ferrell, twelve, Dana Carvey, eleven, Chevy Chase, ten. Here we go. We're in the top ten now. Uh, We're loading. I mean, yeah, it's the kind of thing. It's like, what is? It? I mean, this is just some someone's opinion. Gilda Radner at nine. So you get into absolute legends of yeah. it. Amy Poehler at eight. Phil Hartman at seven. Bill Murray at six. Dan Aykroyd at five. Mike Myers at four. Tina Fey at three. Eddie Murphy at two, and John Belushi at number one, who we've done a report wow. on. Wow.
0: Oh, also two of my idols in the top 10. Yeah, great. Amy and Tina, amazing. S- so
2: good. Yeah, That's so, crazy. I, In my mind, I'm like, can't you? What? It's, I mean, the, the reason they would have done the whole way and made it a bit bitchier was so it would have got that attention probably but, by yeah. being like that mean sort of. And it's
0: still so subjective.
2: Totally. Somebody
0: recently ranked all of Paul Kelly's songs. Wow. And like, I was scrolling through to see what they said was number one. I was like, I'm not reading your opinion on every single song. That's ridiculous. But I was scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And some of my favorites were like, I was like, should have been higher. You know, like, yeah. so I was like, this is bullshit. This is your opinion. And that's fine. But, I mean...
2: And people know, I think they know listicles like that with opinions and especially with a few slightly dodgy opinions are going to get shared more. Yeah. People go, can you believe?
0: Yeah, look at this idiot said this song was number one. I've
2: been, I've been pretty obsessed with Leonard Cohen lately. Put him up for the vote for this topic as well. He did not get many votes.
3: <laughs> Idiots! Idiots.
2: Heart, Hartman won with over 50% of the vote. He wow. would landslide it in. Um, Dick Van Dyke, I also put up. Oh, <laughs> um, so that would've been cool. But yeah, I've been looking at Leonard Cohen, kind of like uh, his albums ranked, and it's the same. Like they, they, they're like he really doesn't have a bad album, but yeah. these are not as good. I'm like that album's flawless. Yeah. What are you talking about? Exactly.
0: It's so weird when they're like, here's this thing ranked.
2: Yeah. It's, it's like, funny to see. you're Oh, this is what music experts think. What does that mean for me? Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. But, yeah, he so he was, he's super, as I'll talk about now, he's just super well-respected um, as an SNL alum. Mm. Uh, but he joined a, a joined a cast, and I think the st- show was really kind of struggling at that time. They were burning through a lot of these performers that were coming on, sometimes for one season. And there's another weird thing about it is they're sort of fighting each other for on-air time. Yeah. And, and that was something that Phil Hartman said he really didn't enjoy trying to you're fighting your friends for screen time?
0: No, I'd hate that.
2: Uh yeah. I'm not competitive. Please write I'm something not for me. Very
0: ambitious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'll let them have it, it's cool. That's <laughs> all good.
2: Uh oh, well I'll going straight into that now. He found his eight seasons at SNL stressful, telling People magazine in a 1995 interview, "The rejection and backstabbing could be painful, but the hardest thing was competing against your friends for airtime." Just sort of sucked. Yeah. A lot. Uh, The New Yorker wrote that Hartman, who was older than many of his peers and professional by habit, excelled at both lead and supporting roles. The skills that Hartman had honed in The Groundlings made him a key cast member who made everyone look good and helped to improve the show. And that because of his steadying influence and rock-like presence, and because he helped her to overcome her stage fright, Jan Hooks nicknamed him The Glue. Soon everyone called him that, sometimes chanting it at table reads when he made the writer's pieces sound good. Glue, 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 glue. <laughs> Isn't that fun? There's, uh, there's another story about how he got the nickname Glue, but it's like that is definitely his nickname and everyone calls him that. He, um, I was listening to the Al Franken episode of the Conan O'Brien podcast recently and he and that was before I'd done any of this research. And he mentions on that, they were talking about Phil Hartman and how great he was and they go, ah, oh, the glue. <laughs> It's still sort
1: of... Wow. A good that nickname.
2: nickname is stuck. It's great I didn't mean that.
0: Oh, fantastic. I didn't
2: mean that entirely. I was sort of about to say it and then I'm like, hmm, I need to say this in a gross <laughs> <laughs> tone to make sure everyone knows I don't believe in it. Uh, Hartman was perhaps most famous for his impersonations on the show, such as Bill Clinton and Frank Sinatra. But you may also know him from some of the original <laughs> characters he created, such as the anal retentive chef and the unfrozen caveman lawyer. And I don't, because I I really only know a few of the really famous um, SNL sketches and most of them are from after his time, like the cowbell sketch I've seen a lot mm. and a few others. I've tried to watch some best ofs and I'm like, oh, this is the best of? It's yeah. just not, I, for whatever reason, it's not my kind of sketch comedy. Definitely not sketch not comedy me either. Sorry, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Yeah, but I, it's obviously a super successful show that's been going on for decades. Yeah. But for for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, I, I expected this to be uh, funnier, but it's just, <laughs> you know, comedy is subjective. Uh, SNL producer Lorne Michaels once said, Phil Hartman, I think, is the least appreciated, except here. So he sort of he, he did not he did not get a lot a lot of love in the media and that sort of stuff, but internally a lot of love. Um, michael's going to say that kind of ability to do five or six parts in a show where you're playing support or you're doing remarkable character work is different than doing the well-known or more popular characters you know the people who are becoming big stars instantly from it yeah uh it was also funny to hear some people are like he was really one of the only people who were going like I can't, I can't do any more parts this week's episode. Everyone else is like, "Please give me, give me anything. I'll take any scraps." And he's but he's like, like everyone's gone. I need you time. in my sketch. Please. I don't have time to change. Yeah. In 1986, Hartman also scored a small role in iconic comedy, The Three Amigos, uh, and it was I don't know if you seen that recently.
0: No,
1: I had no. to go
2: back and watch a clip. He was like just a classic smarmy Phil Hartman character.
0: Um, he is good at smarmy. He's so
2: good at smarmy. Uh, over the following ten or so years, he also appeared on the big screen in Fletch Lives, Loaded Weapon, Cone Heads. So I married an Ex- axe murderer, Sergeant Bilko, and Jingle All the Way.
0: I was first imagining him as a as like a gross boyfriend. Oh. And I was like, right. what is that? And then I was like, it's Sergeant Bilko. Yeah. Hey, yeah. He's so good in Sergeant Bilko.
2: So as those I think as those films went on, his his roles were getting bigger mm. as his sort of star was growing. And he was like a relatively Big character in Bilko and and Jingle All the Way. I think he was played Arnie's neighbor again, sort of like yeah, yeah, an unlikable sort of neighbor guy. Um,
0: He plays an asshole so well, so
2: well. Uh, So he wasn't the lead in any of those films, but he didn't seem to mind too much telling jam showbiz. It's fun coming in as the second or third lead. If the movie or TV show bombs, you aren't to blame. Hey, I'm the bad guy, the jerky guy. I did all I could to make it interesting. The Jerky Guy character became one of the trademarks of his career. And according to an article in the Star Tribune, Hartman loved playing these weaselly characters. There were many variations, but were often seedy, vain or otherwise unpleasant. Uh, When asked about his influences, he said, my ultimate favorite was Jackie Gleason's Ralph Cramden from The Honeymooners. But I'm a really big fan of Bill Murray. He's been a great influence on me. When he did that smarmy thing in Ghostbusters, then the same sort of thing in Groundhog Day. I tried to imitate it. I couldn't. I wasn't good enough. But I discovered an element of something else. So in a sick kind of way, I made myself a career by doing a bad imitation of another comic. I think that's pretty common. Like you hear the Rolling Stones were trying to sound like, you know, like um, Howling Wolf and um, American blues musicians. Mm. And they did it. They didn't, couldn't sound like that, but they sounded slightly different, and that became a big thing in its own way. Mm. I think it. I think that's pretty common in in the world. You imitate your heroes, and then it spits out a new, different thing. Uh, in 1987, like kind of like how you try to imitate me, it's not the same, Jess, no. but it is a new great thing. It's in, its own in its thing, own right.
0: and a lot of people <laughs> argue better.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not one of those.
0: No, but a lot I'd of say people say equally
2: and different. Good.
0: Nah, but, and, and I know that's what you say, but a lot of people are outside of this room say that I'm better. I'm
2: not agreeing with See, <laughs> so what either. am I talking about? Yeah, I agree. You, I think you're definitely <laughs> funnier than me. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about there for a second. In 1987, Hartman married Bryn Omdahl, who mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in 1988, they had their first child named Sean. His second wife, Lisa, who mentioned earlier, recalled, quote, he calls me and says, I just became a father, and so I wrote a card. Dear Phil and Bryn, you know, much, this is her recounting This I don't think this is how she actually <laughs> wrote the card, you know, dot, 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 much love from Aunt Lisa, you know, if you ever need a babysitter, dot, dot, dot. I'm so thrilled for you. Um, Lisa said she, quote, got a letter back that was hair curling, fury, rage, and a death threat. From Bryn. The gist of it was, don't ever fucking get near me or my family or I'll hurt you. I never want to hear from you. Never, ever, ever come near me or us or you'll be really sorry.
0: Well. Okay.
2: Uh, at this also,
0: I mean, I'm not going to be asking my ex-wife to babysit, am I? No. I'm glad that we have an amicable mm. enough relationship that I can call her and say I've had a kid and she sends a girl. That's very nice. Mm. But like, that's not my first choice, you know? That feels a little bit weird. But right. Each to their own.
2: Yes. Yeah, but I would still argue that that was a strong reply.
0: Oh yes. No, I'm just reacting to one thing, just that part. The letter back, completely unnecessary.
2: Yes. At this point, Phil's career was really starting to take off, which some have suggested maybe played in a Brin's jealousy, who was also an aspiring actor. Right. She, she had done modelling, and she, you know, she was going for roles, but did wasn't getting any traction in acting. Um. Though in the '90s she would score a couple of small on-screen roles in the film North and the sitcom Third Rock from the Sun, but you know they were quite minor roles. Third Rock was a good show. Great show. I love it. Man, John Lithgow. Can't wait till our spin-off Do Lithgow on, uh, comes <laughs> out.
0: He's fantastic.
2: The best. I love him. He's he can do so it all. Good.
0: He can do it all. Evil. Not evil.
2: He's really etc. Uh, kids. Albums. No. Yes. He's what do written kid songs. Songs? Yeah, I think so.
0: Oh, that's so
2: cute. I think, again, I learned this from Conan O'Brien's podcast. I love- Well, maybe WTF. I love how ones.
0: much you learn from that podcast. I learn a it's lot. It's lovely.
2: It's a great educational tour, tool. <laughs> tour.
0: Don't- Why am I keeping on people...
2: plugging this huge podcast? Yeah, don't-, don't listen to it. Stop. I'll give you all you need to know <laughs> yeah. here.
0: Stop giving people. I've
2: said every interesting thing that's do. ever come up on that podcast.
0: So there you
2: go. So I don't even bother needing to listen to it.
0: He doesn't need your help. We do. He uh,
2: doesn't
0: need your listens.
2: No, yeah. Go back to the start and listen to us all over again. Some people oh, have there was multiple a, times. During his time on SNL, Hartman was twice nominated for Emmys for writing for a musical variety show, winning in 1989 as part of the writing team.
0: Awesome. Being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think too much about your internet privacy on your home network because we've got incognito mode, right? right. Wrong.
1: No. Oh, my God. Let me try <laughs> Wrong,
0: again. Wrong, Dave, because even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced. What? Yep. <laughs> even if you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every website You visited, David.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. My blood pressure has gone through the roof here. (laughs) What are you looking up? (laughs) I might just be having a heart attack unrelated to this.
0: (laughs) Well, that's why even when we're at home, we never go online without using ExpressVPN. Oh, that's right
1: okay I'm okay
2: yeah remember Express VPN make sure your ISP Dave for a little nerd like you you know it's internet service provider but I didn't um, so <laughs> luckily it said that here on the script. But Express VPN make sure your ISP or internet service provider can't see what sites you visit. instead your internet connection is rerouted through <laughs> Express VPN secure servers. Mm. each Express VPN server has an IP address internet protocol. Oh, ah. ah. Internet Protocol Freely. <laughs> Each ExpressVPN has an IP freely address uh, that's shared <laughs> among thousands of users.
0: I just got it.
2: Me too. <laughs> Jess and I looked at was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> that, that means everything you do is anonymized and can't be traced back to you. Oh, I love it. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100%. That's all of it. 100% of your data with best in-class encryption. So your information is always protected. Use the internet with confidence from your computer, tablet or smartphone. ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Simply tap that button and you're protected. Woo! Amazing. It's the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired, The Verge and countless more. Let's add Do Go On to that list. Uh, So protect your online activity
1: today with the VPN that we trust to secure our privacy. And trust us, it needs securing. Visit our special link at expressvpn.com slash do go on. And you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's 25%. Bang. Holy
2: shit. Good math.
1: That's expressvpn.com slash do go on. ExpressVPN.com. So let's do go on to learn more. Now, back to looking up whatever we like on the internet.
0: Yeah. Cats.
2: (laughs) Big cows with a cat on its back. Oh, Oh, the cat's wearing a hat. (laughs) Saucy hat. Don't tell anyone if you're listening.
3: This is a secret. Shut up.
0: It's private.
3: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace,
1: the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, growing, getting bigger, it all means the same thing. Squarespace <laughs> makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience.
0: And if you're worried about like, well, I don't know how to write stuff for a website and make myself look good. Well, you can get help with the written content for your website with Squarespace AI. You can generate instant, personalised results that highlight your brand identity. You can explain what your site's about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and bang, you got some short and long-form text, baby. So Squarespace AI makes it easy to go live, stand out, and succeed
2: online. I'm so glad you had that bit because I thought it was pronounced Squarespace AI. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall. To sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download. I don't know if I'm hitting all these words <laughs> intended, like PDFs, music's, or eBooks. I would love to buy Matt's eBook.
0: I'd like to buy Matt's course, and you you can do that. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course.
2: Be more like Matt. Oh, 101. God.
0: Wow. Yeah. How many? Does it go to 102?
2: It goes all the way to 102. <laughs> wow.
0: You can customise everything with next-generation editing technology. You can create engaging lessons your audience will love and then set the price. You can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Matt, how much is it to be more like Matt 101?
2: Oh, three mil. Wow.
1: Wow. P- like per month or...?
2: Yeah, USD. (laughs)
1: Awesome. (laughs) Head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or
2: domain. Squarespace.com slash do go on. In 1990, Hartman began doing voices on The Simpsons. The most famous of these being uh, three versions of his Weasley archetype. The incompetent lawyer Lionel Hutz, who Dave, my, I believe, is your
1: we were saying on the Patreon episode, my all time favourite Simpsons character. He's uh, amazing. Also
2: my all-time favourite Simpsons character, and I think maybe probably this would be almost one of the most common favourites, washed up actor Troy McClure. Yep. Uh, and slick monorail salesman Lyle Lanley. Oh that's who was a one off, but such a great, such character. great character. Or maybe he reappeared some of the time. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember, remember, remember
0: once, but it's a good it's a great episode. <laughs> and a Written great by
2: Conan O'Brien. Yeah, amazing. You know who wrote that episode?
0: No, I didn't know that. Yeah.
2: And it's seen as by a lot of people as the best, if one of the best, if not the best editor, my the five episode.
1: Can I outrun the flash? Sure. Do <laughs> man outrun the flash? Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> I had Mesa on Primates uh podcast I do about Primates and popular Culture last month, and it was about the Flash. And I asked him that question. I said, can you man me out the flange? He just answered it sincerely. I don't even know if he knew the reference, but I'm sure he did and he was just bored of it. But <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was cool to get an answer on that. Finally, a bit of closure. Oh uh, the creative team at The Simpsons loved Hartman. Phil made the material funnier than we originally imagined. And I couldn't imagine anyone else doing it, said Al Green, the show's executive producer. The following is a, bi- a big chunk from a Vulture article about Hartman by Joe Berkovitz, which I really enjoyed. Uh, It goes like this. It is an honor to be invited. This was written in 2010, so some of this stuff might be slightly out of date. but it is an honor to be invited as a guest voice on The Simpsons. Only after you've made it in some way within your chosen field will this gesture be extended. Athletes, actors, artists, and architects alike have been written in as guests over the run of the show. Architect.
0: Architects? You yeah, I don't know
1: about
2: that. <laughs> that's a good trivia question. If you name who that, that's re- referencing.
1: I am pay. That's a <laughs> there's a that's a, that's a reference to him. I am impressed. <laughs> anyway, <laughs>
2: you
1: go on, uh,
2: <laughs> uh, all contributing to its Guinness Book World Record for most guest stars. Only a fraction of these people, however, have been asked back a second time. In that regard, Phil Hartman is in an elite class with Albert Brooks. John Lovitz, Kelsey Grammer, and Joe Montagna as frequent guests. I mean, they all played. Yeah. All of them played great. Some of the best game. Albert Brooks played um, uh, Hank Scorpio, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, so oh, good. my God. Uh, John Lovitz, the film critic.
0: Yes. Uh,
2: Kelsey Grammer, of course, Sideshow Bob, and Joe Montagna as uh, Fat Tony. All iconic characters. So good. But yeah, I I don't know if more in the last 10 years, maybe there's been others have been asked back more than once, but uh, the article goes on. As a frequent, frequent guest though, Phil Hartman was in a class all of his own. He was featured in 52 episodes over a period of eight years. There is a certain quality to the voice that was both high voltage and velvety, a sonic cocktail that was everything you needed it to be. The fact that Phil Hartman's voice could sound so unctuous and slimy at times meant that he usually portrayed a villainous rival in family-friendly movies like Small Soldiers, Jingle All the Way and Greedy, but he could also do Heroic too. And in animated form, he was able to explore these types of characters on The Simpsons. There he played Moses on the mountain, Bart's adopted father Tom. Oh, another great character I forget about. Oh, yeah. The Big Brother episode. I think that's what, is yeah. that what that's talking about i'm his father who might you be Uh, the drunken gambler (laughs) so good i remember that and then he he ends up having this street fight (laughs) and then he he gets homie gets knocked out and falls backwards over a fire hydrant (laughs) and he goes this is even more painful than it looks
0: (laughs) yeah okay i do remember that
2: um uh, he also obviously played Charlton Heston's likeness in the musical Stop the Planet of the Apes, I Want to Get Off, <laughs> featuring the showstopper Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas.
0: Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas.
2: <laughs> he even got the chance to bring his Bill Clinton impression over from Saturday Night Live for a Halloween episode appearance. Mostly, though, Phil Hartman's contribution to The Simpsons consist- consisted of two characters, and these were anything but biblical, heroic or presidential. <laughs> in his first appearance of The Simpsons on The Simpsons, Bart gets hit by a car. Homer hires bargain basement attorney Lionel Hutz to represent him. Here's my card, Hutz says. It turns into a sponge if you hold it underwater. (laughs) (laughs) What started off as a barely embellished caricature of an ambulance chasing shyster eventually devolved into a down-and-out drunken hobo who also happened to be an attorney. Hutz was meant to be a one-time role, but the staff loved Hartman and wanted to use him again. Their next chance came just a couple of episodes later in the form of another new character in the Simpsons universe we introduced to Troy McClure as he hosts the TV show. I can't believe they invented that. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Dave Faves. Um, this okay. show within a show would frequently pop up in, a, in brief bits featured washed up actor McClure and quack Dr. Nick Riviera hawking ridiculous products like Spiffy, a cleaning solvent strong enough to clean the grime off Edgar Allan Poe's tombstone. <laughs> More often than infomercials though, Troy McClure would be glimpsed starring in random educational videos filmed at various points in his career. (laughs) Whenever there was an opportunity to include an instructional video of any kind, The Simpsons producers could always plug in Phil Hartman and get a laugh out of his perpetually changing catchphrase. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. He would always start. You might remember me from such educational films as lead paint, delicious, but deadly. (laughs) And here comes the metric system. (laughs) According to interviews, Troy McClure was Hartman's favorite character of all the characters he ever did. And he used to entertain the crew on the set of his post SNL show news radio by doing the Troy McClure voice in between takes. I also saw on an interview him saying um, that his favorite fans are Troy McClure fans.
0: Such a good character
2: um as we saturday night live phil hartman played the background a lot in the simpsons but he also had a couple of moments in the spotlight including one of the widely agreed upon greatest episodes of all time the conan o'brien scripted marge versus the monorail where he played lyle lanley the colorful singing swindler based on the music man he also apparently played the music man on stage in college or you oh, know cool. e- earlier in his life and i'm pretty sure if I'm remembering right. Isn't the Music Man? Is that the one that's set in Gary, Indiana? Am I, oh, I don't might know. I might be confusing with someone else. Uh, this is still from the Vulture article. Another starring performance of his came in the Fish Called Selma episode. Which is, did we do it? We, I think we, we did, that we did a, was the Stop the Planet of the Apes episode. Yep. And we did a we did an episode. Dave and I did an episode of Primates about that. Oh, episode. Oh, great!
0: That's the one so where fr- he marries Selma.
2: Yeah, and I, I love think we spent episode. a lot of it just reading the script and laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, must be must have been a tedious one to listen to. to I'm honest.
0: just remembering Selma, baby. <laughs> yeah, am I? Is that the thing? Did yeah. I make like that yeah. Okay, Selma, baby.
2: Uh, which was developed to give Troy McClure more of a backstory, albeit one in which his character has fallen on hard times due to em- an embarrassing sexual proclivity involving marine life.
0: <laughs> <That's
2: right. laughs> I mean, it was like vaguely based on Richard Gere, you were telling me, and the hamstering or whatever? Oh, yeah, there was rumours about that. But it's like this weird rumour about Richard Gere that you're like, gerbling, sorry. Oh. <laughs> and, that, and this was sort of a spoof of that, yeah. word, but it was fish. Uh, are yeah. you gay?
1: I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, by 1994, the cast members Hartman joined SNL with, apart from Kevin Nealon, have moved on to other projects. And the cast now included other heavy hitters such as Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, and Chris Farley. Oof. So he was he, he shared the screen with some of the, you know, the biggest ones in he those eight seasons. He was multi-generational. Yeah, yeah. Hartman told the LA Daily News that he felt like an athlete who's watched all his World Series teammates get cra- traded off to, in other directions. It was hard to watch them leave because I sort of felt we were all part of the team that saved the show. I think it was really struggling that they brought it back in ratings and everything. Soon after, he left the show also. According to The New Yorker, quote, after his final episode, Thomas writes, the cast and crew gathered around and presented him with a gift, a token of deep appreciation for his outstanding service that made him tear up. It was a small pedestal topped with a bottle of wood glue. (laughs) Is the glue. glue. Glue, 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 glue.
0: <laughs> That's nice.
2: Hartman developed his own variety show, The Phil Show, which I love. Um, <laughs> and I think NBC was right on board with it. Uh, but it fell through in the end. It wasn't picked up. I think NBC said that it was that those variety shows they just weren't working anymore or something like that. Right. So
1: they went with his nemesis, Dr. Phil.
2: <laughs> they. um. <laughs> He, he, I think he has said that he kind of after he's like, he's kind of a relief because he would have had to have sweat blood every week to make it work, you yeah. Know? Um, uh, in 1995, he signed on to co star in a, a new NBC sitcom instead called News Radio. Do you remember that? I used to watch it, I remember uh, enjoying it. Um,
0: it vaguely rings a bell,
2: yeah. He was he was the slick uh talkback radio host right but there was a bunch of other people in on the show um so the news radio focused on the staff of a new york city news radio station with an ensemble cast that also included dave foley stephen root andy dick joe rogan who's now a huge podcaster maura tierney vicky lewis and candy alexander
0: yeah okay i do remember the show vaguely
2: um he, along with Bryn and their two children, Sean and Bergen, moved from New York to Encino, California, which is where he started working on that show. His character was the smug radio announcer named Bill McNeil, another smug, classic smug, yeah. smug character.
0: I, yeah. I wonder what... I mean, he plays that smarmy character so well. It's a bit like... Because Adam Scott is another one who plays an asshole super well. <laughs> yeah. And then you see him in a nice role and you're like...
2: What? Yeah, you're waiting <laughs> it, for the twist.
0: It's really confusing. Or you see interviews with him, and he seems like he's quite dry, but he seems really nice. And yeah. it's like I, I don't, I don't know how to feel. I <laughs> right. think Phil Hartman's one of those where I kind of, I assume he's a prick. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's all I've seen him do.
1: I'm a great actor,
0: please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's probably well. I don't know. You might be like a, a might have been a lovely person.
2: Yeah, well, it sounds like I mean, who knows for sure? But it I sounds mean, like if he was sounds like he wasn't, he maybe wasn't the best at relationships. But it sounds like everyone, his friends, are all like, "Oh, he's just a lovely, really totally, down to yeah. normal guy." I mean,
0: people wouldn't have been so appreciative of working with him. Yeah, and then, his writing and his talent. If he was an asshole,
2: you're not getting called the glue. Yeah, like you got to be so like Chevy Chase was also brilliant on SNL, but he wasn't getting bought yeah. gifts. I don't think or yeah, yeah, yeah. he was sort of famously. Disliked.
0: Exactly, he was given yeah. glue
1: and
2: they asked him to glue his mouth shut.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's quite different. So, yeah, he, he he must have been lovely, but I just see but, him as a prick.
2: And then the other part of that is like, oh, I ha- he's worked so hard on the show. You know, do, you read some, like everyone's got their theories yeah. about things afterwards and that's getting into the sort of the weird gossipy stuff. But they'd be like, maybe he was he was too focused on the work and not enough on his home life and stuff. But, you know, yeah. like no one knows apart from the people in a relationship really do of course uh, critics liked the show news radio like it got got all positive reviews basically but it struggled to find an audience and NBC moved its airtime around the grid which really frustrated Hartman um, he did say like he early on he was like he hated it. he's like like just you're killing its chances by moving around which I know is a, a thing but then he later on he said hey you know it's this isn't brain surgery. It's just a, it's just a comedy show. It's, it's not, no big deal. So. Uh, according to uh, CBS, it had several brushes with cancellation and was surprisingly renewed for a fifth season in 1998. So, you know, a, a sitcom that gets five seasons is yeah. quite a big success, but it was the kind of thing, kind of like Mike Myers. It seemed like they were always assuming that it would probably get cancelled at the end of this season. It's not quite rating high enough, but then oh, we'll get another year and we'll wow. get another year. CBS also noted that, quote, Hartman had as many hobbies as careers, an avid surfer, fisherman and scuba diver. He loved sailing and owned as many as three boats at once. More boats than the Iraqi Navy, he once observed.
0: Good observation.
2: (laughs) He played guitar, often jamming with fellow SNL cast members, Dana Carvey, who played guitar and drums and Lovitz on keyboard, and took up flying a plane when he was in his 40s.
0: You know that scene in Wayne's World where... Garth just shreds shreds on the drums. It's not really shredding on drums, is it? But he just has that massive drum solo. Yeah. That was Dana Carvey.
2: Yeah, right. That was him really playing. Yeah. He wails.
0: (laughs) I like to play. I like to play. play. Tagline for that movie is you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll hurl. (laughs) That was a trivia question in a online trivia I played last week.
2: If you're gonna spew 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 into into this. this. (laughs) 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 I like to play. (laughs) Bryn continued to battle with drug addiction, his wife, and during the news radio Christmas party in 1997, Hartman's co-star Andy Dick gave Bryn some cocaine after she asked if he had any. Apparently, I think supposedly she was was on, she was, had been on a break and in yeah. sort of recovery. Hartman's friend John Lovitz blamed Dick for Bryn relapsing, though Dick told 2020 that she was already in relapse mode, which I didn't even know she had a problem with at all in the first place. But, yeah, that's the thing that um, I think Andy Dick and John Lovett still, they've had a like a, this is a big falling out. Wow. Um, uh, According to the New Yorker, Bryn started drinking and using cocaine and they fought. Hartman liked buying cars, boats, and even a plane, then piloting them away from his family, often with a friend to unwind. This is quite passivity. (laughs) Not saying that word right. And his love of smoking pot could be alienating and frustrating. Bryn became increasingly unhappy. He had guns. Bryn had a gun. Sometimes when she wanted to argue with him before bed, he pretended to be asleep. Uh, the exact details of what happened on the night of May 27th, this is where we get to the, mm-hmm. just as a, like a little buffer in case any, <laughs> if no one listens to with their kids, but in case there's a little yeah. warning for you, for those uh, out there in La La Land. Which is what I call listener listener land. The A's are silent.
0: Listener <laughs> listener ah, listen, ah, land.
2: <laughs> the exact details of what happened on the night of May 27, 1998, and into the early hours of the following day remain somewhat of a mystery. But according to the ABC news report, quote: This is all. This is all from the news report. Bryn Hartman went out for drinks that night with her friend Christine Zander before driving over to her friend and former lover Ron Douglas's house at around 10.15pm. Douglas declined ABC News's request for comment, but according to what he told police, Bryn Hartman had a few beers and complained to him about her husband. He told police she left his house around 12.45am, got into her car and returned home. Sean Hartman would reportedly later tell police that he heard sounds he likened to the slamming of a door. At 3.45, as Ron Douglas would recount to police, he was awoken by someone's pounding at the front door. It was Bryn. She told Ron, I killed Phil. I don't know why. Douglas told police he didn't believe her at first, but then a gun fell out of Bryn's purse. He took it away from her and put it in the trunk of his car. The two drove in separate cars back to the Hartman home, where Douglas found Phil's body in his bed. Police would later discover he'd been shot three times. Ron stepped away into the hallway to call 911, and then he discovered Bryn had locked herself in the master bedroom. It was about 6 a.m. and the quiet street of Encino, California was suddenly swarming with police, news cameras, and a gathering crowd of onlookers. Ron handed the gun to police, but had no idea if there were any other weapons in the house. As nine-year-old Sean and six-year-old Bergen were being whisked to safety, another shot rang out. When police reached the master bedroom, they were greeted with silence. We go through the door. We find a man lying on the bed. He has a bullet hole through his forehead. There's a woman lying next to him, and she also has a gunshot wound, responding LAPD officer Daniel Carnahan said. Looking at the bodies, it's obvious that they were not alive. Bryn had killed herself after taking Phil's life, which was hours earlier. For me, it is one of the most tragic scenes. Hartman had actually experienced the American dream that most people don't get to experience, Karnan said. To have that taken away in this fashion seems so contradictory and so out of place and so unfair. Los Angeles County Medical Examiner Craig Harvey later determined that Bryn Hartman had a blood alcohol level of 0.12 as well as cocaine and Zoloft in her system that night. I think Zoloft is a, some sort of prescription medicine, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Omdahl said the murder-suicide was like getting punched in the gut because I knew my sister would never murder anyone. It was such a hard thing to face. A year after the murder-suicide, Greg Omdahl filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Pfizer. How do you say what's that? Pfizer? Yeah. It's like one of those big pharmaceutical companies. Oh. So he sued them, the maker of Zoloft, on uh, behalf of the Hartman estate. Omdahl said, I did file a lawsuit against Pfizer alleging that the use of Zoloft caused my sister to not know what she was doing, and she shot her husband. And when she came out of that, she shot herself. When the lawsuit was filed in 1999, Pfizer gave a statement to Salon Health that, quote, there's no scientific or medical evidence that Zoloft causes violent or suicidal behaviour. The suit was settled for $100,000, and there was no admission of any wrongdoing.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, combined with... Cocaine and a lot of alcohol. Yeah, I, you can't blame one of those things. Yes, you know it's a it's the cocktail of all of them and and
2: herb personal makeup and all exactly. like so many things so many things the scenario and like
0: it's so tragic it's and the, awful I know, but it, I don't it, think you can sue a pharmaceutical company for it's that it's
2: such a I I don't know why I was not prepared into I'm like Phil Hartman this is going to be a fun episode and I did even though I did in the back of my mind I knew it ended tragically but yeah. I didn't so it wasn't didn't prepare myself for it
0: I'd forgotten how right so yeah that's awful and this is so dumb that this is what i thought of but when she's banging on the friend's door i was like who's with the kids right <laughs> that's my thought yeah well and then it's true. like i killed phil and i'm like yes but who's with the
2: kids yeah yeah well no one at that point shit um but yeah so they're nine
0: and your... eight so nine and six or something the kids
2: <laughs> yeah Awful. orphaned in a in a night it's yeah like, there yeah i'm I had some, this article had some quotes from there, and I'm just like, are oh, too heartbreaking. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Good, so, good call there. I think.
2: Um, Bryn's sister Kathy and her husband. This is this is kind of a, a nice thing. Bryn's sister Kathy and her husband raised both Sean and Bergen in the Midwest, so that you know they were able to be raised by their uncle and auntie. Yeah,
0: by family.
2: Back in the Midwest, which I believe is like, you know, you'd be getting right away from the wild uh, Hollywood lifestyle and all that sort of stuff. A little bit of anonymity. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, And Greg Omdahl said that they grew up as loved children. By 2019, Sean was 31. So this is uh, from an article last year, all of this. um, By... 2019, Sean was 31 and pursuing his dreams of being an artist and musician, and Bergen was 27, recently married, and had started a business that's doing really well, according to Greg Omdahl. So that's you know they've got obviously you never get over, but they've yeah got sounds like they've they've moved forward together as much as they can. Mm. Uh, Greg added, "I believe my sister would be very proud of how Sean and Bergen have grown up and the people they've turned into." News Radio, which had only been renewed for a fifth season just prior to that tragic night, did a memorial episode and brought in John Lovitz into the cast Uh. um, due to his closeness to Hartman and as a way for the show to try and cope with his loss. According to Heavy.com, in August 2014, Hartman was awarded a posthumous star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. His brother John accepted the honour on Phil's behalf. Hartman's former SNL co-stars Lovitz and Kevin Nealon were on hand to speak about their late friend. Hartman's longtime agent, Betty Fanning McCann, was also there to honor him. Phil Hartman was very loved by Hollywood, and we are thrilled that he's being honored with his own star. This man made made millions laugh for years and will always be treasured, said Leron Gubler. Great name. Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, president and CEO at the time. So I'm I'm ending with some... Uh, some slightly yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. The name Goobler is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I love that very much. How old, LeRon Goobler?
0: How old was Phil? Do you know? Uh, Even ballpark.
2: He was so he d- died in '98. Was born in '47. So Dave, is that 50, one? Fifty one. 51.
0: Yeah, right. <coughs> Packed a lot into a, to a life. Hey.
2: Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. One of those guys is like, like. Oh, you designed iconic bands' yeah. album covers. So you did that, that was your whole career? Oh, no, you just squeezed that in early. <laughs>
0: yeah. And kind of a slow burner, too, you know? Like yeah, he just didn't. always something happening. Yeah, that's right. But not like, you know, your leading man. That's the kind of life I would want. I love to be in the chorus. Yeah. You know? Someone else be the star, sure. But I'm here still.
2: Well, that's kind of what you are on this show, Dave and I are the stars. Okay, I was going to say
0: Dave. I was thinking the same joke, but I was going to say Dave's the star, obviously.
2: <laughs> I thought it was funnier if I was like a bit <laughs> die What am I thinking there? What's that word? Die It's like diluted, but it's not diluted. 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 diluted.
0: <laughs> You're diluted. I'm, a bit I'm diluted. So, I'm so close. Diluted? Yeah. No. Diluted.
2: Diluted. I thought that would be funnier if I was dilutedly thinking of myself.
0: As the Whereas star.
2: I know that you two, I'm really the chorus, and you two are the star. Okay, happy now? No,
0: because now you're just fishing for us to no, say. I'm not. No, Matt, it's a you're the star. Shut up.
2: That's just a triple. <laughs> shut that, up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! You're the star. I'm sorry, so did you shut just up. silence up, a woman? <laughs> no, I was directing that at Dave. But if you also heard it, then great. <laughs> you two stars, you probably don't hear that a lot.
0: <laughs> no one says no to you, do they?
2: Surrounded by yes men, me, yes man. Me. <laughs> yes, man. <laughs> Uh, great movie. Great movie. Well, it's probably a stretch, but a real fun movie.
0: It's a fine movie to I chuck it,
2: on. It's super underrated. I think it's got so many funny moments because it's got Reese Darby in it who's just killer the whole good. way through. Jim
0: Carrey's Zoe quite Deschanel's good. so great. Bradley Cooper plays Bradley like good a it. small
2: role. Yeah.
0: Wild. Anyway. He's, he's a
2: good sort of straight man character in it. There's yeah. some great scenes where Carrie's drunk from- and and the fight. People are listening, going, you know, like Saturday Night Live, but you're like, yes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's pissing some people <laughs> off. <laughs> Whoa, I can't get a handle on what do you think's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this quote uh, goes on. Sorry, uh, there's so much to say about this man. So deserving of this recognition. This, I guess, I think this is still from. Our man, Leron Goobler. 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 The Gooble. There's so much to say about this man. So deserving of this recognition. Funny and respected among his peers. Oh, no, sorry. This was Kevin Nealon. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, He was pure funny. Kevin Nealon also recently been on Conan's podcast. Um, He was pure funny. Uh, He was a smart improviser and his nickname was Glue because he held the sketches together. If one of us messed up, he covered for us. He was brilliant. As a final note... Uh, Here is another excerpt from Joe Berkowitz's Vulture article. uh, I'll finish with this paragraph. After Phil Hartman's untimely death in May of 1998, the producers of The Simpsons wisely decided not to find a replacement for the characters of Troy McClure or Lionel Hutz. This move was both a display of respect to the actor and an admission that he was impossible to replace. Wow. Although he was nicknamed the glue for his work on Saturday Night Live, Perhaps Hartman was also the secret weapon that kept The Simpsons together too. In order to maximize Hartman's limited availability, nearly every episode that featured Lionel Hutz also featured Troy McClure and vice versa, thus guaranteeing at least a couple of bankable extra laughs in every other episode. That may not seem like a lot, but it adds up. Phil Hartman was undoubtedly part of the reason why seasons two to nine of The Simpsons are roundly thought to be the show's best years. Wow. It's no coincidence. I think that makes sense to me as well. I mean, there was a lot of factors, but he was a big part of it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it is so tragic that he died, but it does also keep those characters in those golden years, yeah, rather than true. every other character's now been in a, a lot of shitty episodes. Yeah, but those Wait. two characters never in an unfunny, ungolden Isn't that episode. Amazing.
0: Because I was thinking that originally, I was like, "Well, if he died, how did?" How, but they didn't keep going with that. Yeah, but we, we've we
2: just seen those episodes so much. Yeah. That,
1: wow. Um, and you remember him so well. Well, oh, you're yes. like, oh,
2: he's in so many they episodes. They play through our minds a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and on this show, they play through our mouths a lot.
0: <laughs> My other favourite character is Duff Man.
2: <laughs> oh, Duff Man's great.
0: Duff Man can't breathe. <laughs> yes. Oh no.
2: I did have. A, I've got a list of all <laughs> of his. You may know him from titles. I can read a few if you. Like. <laughs> I love them. Uh, or yes, maybe can we, we could use a few of them for the Patreon show. Oh yes. <laughs> oh just, great. Yes, that's a great idea. Can I
0: just ask as well if you know is Duffman and Disco Stew the same actor?
2: Oh, I think they might be. Yeah.
0: In my head, but, they and sound it's one of the, the
2: key same. Casts, yeah, isn't it, it sounds like Hank uh, Azaria. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah.
2: But anyway, I guess this is means it's now time for everyone's favourite section of the show, the fact quote or question section, which has a jingle just I think or something a little like.
0: Fact quote or question. Ding. Oh, a little late there, Dave. But
2: uh, he never <laughs> forgets the ding.
0: <laughs> Can I quickly say <laughs> while we're still talking Simpsons,
1: just quickly? Of course. The fact check at the end of the episode. Frank Gehry was the first architect to appear on The Simpsons. Oh, what was his
2: role? He played himself, I believe. When he scrunched up the paper. Is that it? Something was like a scrunched up piece of paper? Yes, the scrunched up
0: piece of paper, yes. I don't remember that.
2: He scrunched... For some reason, he scrunched up a piece of paper and that was like, oh, that's a great design. Oh. Because his his buildings look pretty wild. Yeah,
1: like he designed the, the... Guggenheim the
2: guggenheim and- the guggenheim no just the annex that's a george christine <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. in bilbao yeah all right well uh the fact quote or quote oh geez uh our simpsons fact checker who uh does a column weekly on our patreon jacob lane jacob lane has got his work cut out from this oh, week. oh sorry sorry jacob. jacob feel
0: free to pick a few i guess
2: yeah, you really need – feel free to have a week off if you like it. Yeah,
0: it's, sorry about that.
2: It feels like a thing that must now have become a burden to him.
0: Yeah, you can stop any time.
2: We love it, but there is no pressure. Of course. I was thinking today because I've just seen uh, the first one. We are banking up a few of these fact quota questions. I was thinking because um, just looking, the next few are facts. So how about we do four this week? You'd be up for that?
0: Four facts.
2: Four facts. The yeah, next okay. four fact quota questions but are all facts. Depends.
0: Are you – like you have You're to You're gonna sta- decide
2: if they're fun or no, not.
0: No Okay, yeah, sure. I was gonna say you've got to stay on track and just like Yes.
2: Oh yeah, I'll stay on track, but we've still got to give them their time. Of course,
0: of course. Um
2: they've been waiting patiently. So in this section you go to patreon.com slash go on pod. On there every every month it seems like there's new rewards. Um, we've now got three bonus episodes on a certain tier, uh, on the fact quote or question tier, which is a Sydney Schoenberg deluxe Memorial edition level tier. You RIP. get to give us a fact quote or question. You also would have voted on this week's topic. There was only, uh, you know, it was, um, I said it was a landslide, but it was still only like 15, 20 votes that separate. Yeah. And that's a landslide usually in this one. Cause there's not that many voters. Every vote is worth quite a bit. Um, but um, yeah, you get to give yourself a, a title in this as well. Oh, something I was also um, should mention is uh, you get uh, into our Facebook group, which is for Patrons only, and that um, that's a lot of fun. There's a lot of discussion every day. There's posts, mm. people, uh, listeners, and well, Patrons post uh, and and chat to each other. Some of those patrons have started a weekly Zoom catch-up, which I've (laughs) dropped in on in the last couple of weeks, which always feels like, you know, it feels like I'm the... uh the teacher coming in and ruining the fun or something. Yeah. Hey, guys, how's it going? like, oh, uh, hey,
0: Matt. Yeah, <laughs> hi, Mr. Stewart. No, we weren't <laughs> smoking bongs. <laughs>
2: <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> all right. But it's cool. Bye, like, kids. It's funny. Ju- I'm jumping in on this thing and it's like, oh, there's someone from Canada, someone from London, someone from Perth, someone from New Zealand. There's just people from all around the globe. Amazing. Uh, so that's if you, I mean, that's not an official reward, but that is just a cool bonus thing that's happening and just an example of why it's a cool community in there just real cool fun place and you know, i'm seeing people in there saying oh this is my my happy place Anyhow, it's a it's a cool that's a cool group and um yeah there's so many rewards too many to mention yeah. just tell me to keep on track I have done that <laughs> so here's a few facts from our fact quote or questioners this week firstly coming from the junior comptroller of consuming media it's Paul Jacob
0: Paul Jacob I love comptroller
2: where's that from that's just they use that in the Simpsons it's yeah. not an Australian term is it. It says no. an American thing. I don't know what it means.
1: Yeah, Super, Superintendent Charles is always
2: scared of the, the controller. He must be, yeah, must be next step up above the Super Nintendo. It's
0: probably <laughs> like the ombudsman,
2: <laughs>
0: which I never know what they do. Anyway, what's the uh, fact?
2: His fact is I love Do Go On. That is all.
0: <laughs> that oh. is a succinct fact, and I'm going to say a fun one. That's fun. Uh,
2: oh. Paul Jacob, officially fun. Congrats. Great fact. Congratulations. And thank you so much for all your great work as Junior Comptroller. Of consuming media, you're doing God's work, and we really do appreciate it. <laughs> I'd also love to thank uh, the general manager of Not Able to Have Nice Things, it's Maximilian Duke. Maximilian, Maximilian Duke, if your Duke. name is real. God damn it, God I damn it. God. Congratu- Congratu- Congratulations, you. I was great.
0: trying to say, congratulate your parents for us, and I, all that I could say was, Congrats, hmm. Congrats,
2: Congrats. Anyway, Daddy show.
0: Daddy show.
2: (laughs) Congrats. Uh, Maximilian writes, I use a spoon to apply various spreads, soft cheeses, jams, etc. to breads. You might think (laughs) this is weird. Why not use a knife or a spreader like a civilized person? What's a spreader? Well, the convex side of a spoon possesses the perfect ergonomics for putting peanut butter on bread without having to lift it off a plate or risk dropping a cracker because you hold it awkwardly to get all the pimento cheese off a knife. It is especially great for putting cream cheese on a hot bagel. Love a schmear. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy Cohen taught us that. I love a Perfect way schmear. to schmear a bagel <laughs> without burning your hand. Trust me. Give it a try. Is this the fact? Um, anyway, that's just a fact about me. Tell me something interesting about you. Oh, and in case anyone, brackets Matt, question mark, is wondering what the convex side of the spoon is, I reckon I know what the... Come on, mate. I'm play dumb, but I actually am probably the smartest person in this room right now. Um, Anyway, I'm guessing this is for listeners in case anyone doesn't get it at home. It's the bottom uh, of the spoon. uh, I thought it was when you're eating soup.
0: I think this rug is smarter than you.
2: (laughs) Basically, it's the spoon's undercarriage. Oh, he's explained his explanation. (laughs) The bottom side when you're eating soup wasn't enough. Uh, (laughs) Let me put it in a. Real terms you might understand It's the Spoon's undercarriage, which would also be a good band name. <laughs> the Spoon's undercarriage. I, I think I like
0: undercarriage it. in general would be a good band name. Just undercarriage.
2: Spoon is a good band already. Okay. Uh, maybe a good cover band of <laughs> Spoon cover band spork. is Spoon undercarriage. Carriage. I don't know. I went to my parents' place yesterday, and we ate with uh, Splades. Oh. Which is a fun blast from the past. Mm. The superior spork in my mind. Because uh, it also has a nice, nice knife edge. Anyway, finish by saying thanks for the laughs. Thank you for the facts, Maximilian Duke. That fact about spooners spreaders. Keep, Any thoughts on that, Dave? Keep smearing. the. I agree with the, maybe the schmear.
0: I use it, for, I use it to put, bit, put avocado though. on toast. Yeah, avocado. You scoop it from the bowl because I've obviously s- smashed the avocado. Mm. And then you can, you can get a scoop of it and then go flink. And flick it on and then spread it out with the other, with the whatever the fuck he said, the other side of the spoon, the undercarriage. The
2: undercarriage. The undercarriage, undercarriage, please.
0: (laughs) The boudoir. Whatever the fuck.
2: I'm sorry if I sound a bit diluted here, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just say the spoon's bum bum.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I reckon I, because I'm all about um, lessening washing up. So I'm. I'll use a spoon. If if I've already used the spoon, I'll keep that spoon out for spreading for sure. Great. Because you can scoop out some spreadables easier with a spoon too. Anyway, thanks for that fact, Maximilian Duke. Is that fun?
0: Uh, uh, well, it was a fact about him. And yeah. It was a fun fact.
2: Great. Uh, next up, Chief Bison Wrangler, Northeast Division. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is from Luke Durham. Love that title. I'm, I think I've said this on, on the record. Bison, one of my favorite animals. Bison. Did a year seven- Uh, Project for Geography about the North American bison. Big fan. I love...
1: Was it a poster?
2: I love... Yeah, it was a poster. Love (laughs) a poster. I love a thick animal. Yeah. That's why I love wombats. Uh, On average, this is a fact, on average sloths travel 41 yards per day, meaning they would be excellent pets for (laughs) self-isolation. That's a great fun fact. But I mean...
0: So what, they can't go far?
2: They can't. They're so freaky. I don't know if I want to be... They're weird. ...have one in my house, apart from, you know, cruelty or whatever, the <laughs> animals. But they just, they also move in a creepy way. Imagine waking up and seeing a really slow-moving shadow next to your bed like that. <laughs> Actually, that'd be great. Your problem is that it's, not, th- real heart th- it's starter. not thick enough. Not thick enough. They're the opposite. <laughs> They're spindly.
0: They are.
2: I'm I'm enough spindly in one house, okay?
0: What do they eat? (laughs) Sloths. Yeah.
2: Have to be if it's if it's another animal, it'd have to be a slow one.
0: I don't think they eat other animals.
2: Oh, well then most plants are pretty slow.
0: Yeah. That's true.
2: Thank you for that fact, Luke. Fun or not. Fun. Oh, my God. We're on a hot streak. The patrons are on today.
0: Hmm, Let's see. Let's round it out. Number four.
2: Finally, with fact four from the director of craft services for Do Go On, Matthew Boer. Your work will not go unthanked.
0: Yeah, we love craft services.
2: Boer. B-O-E-R. Boer. 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 He's a real boer. (laughs) Some people are thinkers. Some people are boers. Uh... He's given us a fact. For the original Terminator, oh, Dave, this would be up your a big fan, aren't you?
1: You guys haven't seen Terminator yet?
2: No. Nah. I haven't, no.
1: Sorry. Do yourselves Sorry. a favour. Right, when we'll you watch, watch Back
2: to the Future Trilogy, I'll think about it.
1: All right, I've watched number one. I've watched one. You watch one. Okay.
2: I'll watch two. two I watch think in two. both of them, two is the classic. True. Although I do love Back to the Future 1. I think it goes in order for me, two, one, three.
1: That'd be the same with uh, Terminator. Oh, there you go. Uh, but not Die Hard. Mm. Yeah,
2: Die Hard is one's the best. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because it's got the best bad guy of Too all time. Too old
0: for this shit.
2: Uh, that's so different. <laughs> that's <a> Lethal Weapon. <laughs>
0: no, I'm just saying.
3: Uh, Phil <laughs> Hartman was in
2: the spoof of Loaded Weapon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is from Matthew Bohr. He offers us uh, this fact: for the t- original Terminator, a lot of actors were being looked at for the role before Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger be- became the iconic Terminator. Along one of the suggested pe- among one of the suggested people to play the role was OJ Simpson. Whoa! But James Cameron didn't believe he could play a convincing killer. Oh wow. That is pretty great if true. OJ never did any screen testing, though Arnold was under the assumption for years. OJ was close to being the lead, even saying that James Cameron had done a painting with OJ's face on a Terminator poster, then painting over it with Arnold's face. He painted his own movie posters? That's the <laughs> fact. <laughs> that's um, a You just buried the lead there.
1: Because he's, he's the one in, in Titanic. Right. The drawing of Rose. That is James Cameron. Ah. His drawing. No kidding. He's a good artist, yeah.
0: That's right. Dave, that's a fun fact. Thank you.
2: So he wrote himself into a scene to draw naked Kate Winslet.
0: Basically. Wow. It's a different time, hey?
2: Different time. Uh, there, all the fact quota questions for this week, a fantastic array of facts.
0: Can I just say number four, fun fact. Oh, We did it.
2: Four out of four.
1: And a bonus in there yeah. that James Cameron paints his own posters. Five as well. out of four. Wow, that ain't bad.
2: <laughs> so good. Um, all right, well, that brings us to uh, thanking our other Patreon supporters. Uh, you can get involved in this if you're on the certain level there. I think it's the five buck level. D.B. Cooper level, I think I looked it D.B. Cooper level. And this uh, week, I'd love to kick it off. Are we going to – I'll give them a couple of their own titles.
0: Yes, please. That would be awesome.
2: And I'm starting with uh, who's been waiting patiently since October 2018 from Melbourne, Victoria. It's Miss Alexandra Joy. What a name. A name that uh, is, I'd say, pretty happy. That is a happy name, Miss Joy. Hmm. And uh, you might know Miss Joy from you <laughs> such might remember films me. as <laughs> the boat jacking of Super Ship Seventy Nine, <laughs> Calling All Quakers, <laughs> the Itchy and Scratchy movie, the Contrabulous Fab of Professor Horatio Huffnagel, <laughs> <laughs> Cry Yuma, and David versus Super Goliath. <laughs> That's fun. Whoa!
0: Have you got one that long for all of them?
2: Well, I've just got a list. I can read as many That's as you want.
0: Sick.
1: Alexandra Joy, thank you for bringing the joy. Thank you, uh, Miss
2: Alexandra Joy. Thank you so much for waiting patiently. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. means a lot. You keep this show running. Legend. Uh, and from our own hometown. Love that. Mm. Thank you, Miss Joy. I'd also love to thank from Calabasas in the United States of America in CA, which is California, right?
0: California, California.
2: I'd love to thank Larry First.
0: Yes. But who's second? <laughs> I hate myself. Oh,
2: Larry. Hey, you, might know, <laughs> you might know Larry first for such films as Dial M for Murderousness, <laughs> The Electric Gigolo, The Erotic Adventures of Hercules, Give My Remains to Broadway, Gladys the Groovy Mule, The uh, Good Time Slim, Uncle Doobie, and The Great Frisco Freakout. And... Alice doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> no, Alice doesn't live anymore. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this. That's fuck this. amazing. So thanks, um, Larry. Thanks so thank much, you, Larry. a couple of fantastic names to kick off. I doubt you'll be able to top it, but I'd love to see you have an attempt.
0: Can I have a crack? Please. I would love to thank from Nottingham in Great Britain. I would love to thank Emma Smith.
2: <gasps> oh, Emma Smith. <gasps> Not
0: Emma. M. Uh,
2: Oh, M.R. Smith. Smith. You might know him from such films as Make Out King of Montana, (laughs) Meet Joe Blow, The Muppets Go Medieval, (laughs) P. is for Psycho, Preacher with a Shovel, The President's Neck is Missing, or Radioactive Man 1, 2, and 3, including Bring on the Sequel and Oh God, Not Again, (laughs) and, of course, The Revenge of Abe Lincoln. That's funny that it's that became a, an even more ridiculous film in real life. The Abraham Lincoln b- vampire killer yeah. sounds like, oh, yeah. sounds like a Troy McClure. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you so much, M.R. Smith. Thank you
0: so much. And I would also love to thank from Holyhead in Wales, Kieran Desmond. Oh, On you, Kieran.
2: Kieran Desmond.
0: On you, Kieran.
2: Fantastic, Kieran, it is uh, so good to make your acquaintance and uh, the others, of course, would know him from the seven-year-old bitch. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: the seven-year-inch. Oh, seven-year-old bitch. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, it's good stuff. You Can you imagine James Cameron painting the poster?
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, sorry, I've lost my place. That was so good. Sorry, wrong closet, which is one of the ones that he said on, on Letterman Room. Uh, suddenly, last supper, they came to Burgle. And <laughs> today we kill, tomorrow we die. <laughs> oh, I'm going to give you a couple more. The verdict was mail fraud and the wackiest covered wagon, covered wagon in the West. Fantastic amazing, films. Kieran.
0: Kieran, congratulations on an amazing filmography.
2: Such mm-hmm. fine work.
0: Well,
1: can we thank one Kieran and then thank another Oh. from Leicester in Great Britain. I would now like to thank Kieran Foster. Kieran, Kieran Foster is this the last Foster. one? Two, two, you, you two, got. two
2: more. <laughs> Great. Well, I've still got heaps, actually. Uh, well, you might know Kieran from such educational films and self-help videos as 60 Minutes of Car Crash Victims. <laughs> 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 Adjusting Your self Alice's Adventures through the window with the windshield glass. Uh, birds, our fine feathered colleagues. The decapitation of Larry Ledfoot. Designated drivers, the life-saving nerds. Dig your own grave and save. Earwigs, ooh. Firecrackers, the silent killer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Earwigs, ooh, I could hear in his voice that it would have been amazing.
2: Fuzzy Bunny's guide to you know what.
0: <laughs> She's faking it.
2: And Get confident, stupid.
1: That. Oh, Kieran, fantastic stuff. You have a fantastic filmography. <laughs> and finally, I would like to thank, from Hearn Hill in Western Australia, Curtis Dylan Brennick.
2: You might know Curtis from such educational films as The half assed Approach to Foundation Repair, <laughs> Locker Room Towel Fights, The Blinding of Larry Driscoll, <laughs> Man vs. Nature, The Road to Victory, Meat and you, partners in freedom. Meat, spelled M-E-A-T. That one's a real... Mummy, what's wrong with that man's face? (laughs) Mothballing your battleship. Phony tornado alerts. (laughs) Alerts reduce readiness. Shoplifters, beware. Smoke yourself thin. And someone's in the kitchen with DNA. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, whoa, don't touch me there. (laughs) Thanks, Curtis. Thank you,
1: Curtis. There's so many good ones. One of my favorites is The Greatest Story Ever Hoolaid.
2: <laughs> oh, I skipped that because I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's about hula hooping. Is that it? Great. The
0: Greatest Story Ever, ever The
1: hool-ed. Greatest Story
2: Ever what hool-ed? hooled. What are you
0: talking about? <laughs> That's so
2: good. I fully did not get that. The Greatest Story Ever hooled. <laughs> spelled H-U-L-A-E-D. I'm like, what does that what mean? Is that?
0: I'm going to go and watch a... Uh, best of Lionel Hutz <laughs> on YouTube now.
2: Oh, Lionel. That's what a so character. good. I wasn't wearing a tie at, at all. all. <laughs> Thank you to all of those great supporters. Uh, Thank you. We love your work. And uh, like we say, you keep the bloody show running. But maybe even more so, the Triptage Club, a very exclusive club for people who have been supporting us like those good people we just read out, but for three years straight, which, to be honest, some of them are getting close to because it's taken us so long to read out their names. Yeah. uh, Let me just, while I check if anyone's been inducted into the Triptych exclusive club Mm -hmm. today, uh, Dave, do you want to explain what it is? And Jess, what are they eating and drinking? So, yes, people
1: that have been uh, supporting the show, at the shout-out level for three consecutive years, so 36 months without dropping off, my goodness, we tip our hats to thee and also induct you into this exclusive club. And uh, usually, for the people that are already in and the new inductees, Jess organises a fantastic menu. Sometimes it's food, sometimes it's drinks, sometimes it's both. Mm.
0: And um, this week, we are honouring our star of the show, Dave Warnicky, with his favourite drink, a pina colada. Oh, thank oh. you so much.
1: Yeah.
2: If you like pina coladas, I do. That song is
0: fucked. It is not. It's not good. The opening line is, I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long.
1: I was tired of my lady.
2: Like
0: a worn out recording of your favorite song.
2: (laughs) It's brutal, but as it turns out, she was... Sick of him as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then they got together again. Yeah. Very confusing. Anyway, um, so we're having pina coladas and then uh, to complement that, deep fried <laughs> pineapple.
2: Oh, fritters.
0: Pineapple fritters. Yum, yum. And also... Thank you. Delicious. What a tropical uh, holiday. They don't go yeah. at all, but that's just what we have on the menu. Oh, well, I
2: mean, there's a, these are all being added to the menu as well, right? Oh,
0: yeah. It's an extensive menu.
2: Uh, who's playing in the corner? We actually yeah. have uh, Rupert Holmes playing his Pina Colada song on loop. Oh.
0: But you don't get sick of it.
2: Oh, great. Somehow. Like Somehow. an old, like your favorite song.
0: Oh, <laughs> you like Pina Colada. Everyone's like, yes, play it again, Rupert.
1: And That's Kulada funny because I was
2: already. born sick of it.
0: <laughs> if but. you're not into yoga...
2: It's a magical place. If
0: you have half a brain. Very patronizing. <laughs> if you like making love at midnight. Who well, likes just, making love at midnight? I've got to get to work tomorrow. He's kind of
2: setting a low standard in some yeah. points there. If you've got half a brain.
0: Yeah. And you're not into yoga. All right. Well, fuck. Parody yeah, song.
2: That's a, okay, that's a weird yeah. stipulation, but sure. What about parody song?
1: If you like making love on midnight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bit of fun. Man, I'm confident Weird Al's beating you <laughs> to that one. Is that true? Sure. Probably not Bin Night. I don't know. <laughs> it
1: would be so good if the whole song is built around that one. i would be like making good love of Bin night. night. That's a
2: specific one, but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. So there are four inductees into the Triptych Club this week um, who are enjoying those things. Dave, when he figures out coding, is also going to put all these names up on the website on a special page That's right. in sparkly gold font. Mm-hmm. Um, or if anyone wants to, um, any coders out there who want to get in, tu- in touch with Dave. Uh, You know, do it.
1: I mean, if they're really good, they'll hack the website and do it
2: themselves. Yeah. Now, that'd, that'd be That's good. That's a
0: challenge to you coders. Are you
2: challenging people to hack our website? No, please don't do that.
0: I mean, what are they going to find? Well, well, they won't
2: find, but they'll just put up stuff there like a picture of the butt. Oh, yeah, we did that or, already. Yeah, didn't we? or
0: something like Dave flipping them off, for example.
2: We <laughs> hacked our own website. <laughs> uh, if you click on the your mum's butt tab, you'll see a. Photo of Dave. Still funny after all these years. Um, (laughs) We are eventually going to get around to uh, redoing the website. Anyway, four inductees into the club tonight. Come in behind the velvet rope. Make yourselves at home. From London, we have John Failner. Welcome, John. From Royal Oak in M I U S. M- Mizzou
1: Michigan Michigan I don't know Is that right It's, it's so John right.
2: Cole Wilkinson I feel like this is MI is one we go for all the time You
1: gotta be confident man is Michigan
0: Well done Well done
2: uh, From Leicestershire in Great Britain It's Sam Henson and from West Sussex, also in Great Britain, it is Sarah Groom. Oh, welcome. Welcome one, welcome all. Make yourselves at home, enjoy the cocktail. Enjoy oh. the cocktail song about cocktails.
0: We've got a dance floor, we've also got a lounge area, and the music is like a good amount for dancing, but it's not too overpowering, yeah. you can still a chat. It's the perfect level. I love that.
2: So yeah, we've welcome really, in, thank you so much. We curated much. it nicely. Um, but that's great. I love welcoming people into the Triptych Club. I love the Patreon section of the show. Generally, one of my favorite sections of the show. It's a
0: beautiful time. <laughs> And a reminder as well that we do have that web series. We've got our second episode coming out on Friday.
2: That's right. Or if you're listening to this in the future, we might have all nine episodes out. Yeah. You can binge it.
0: Oh, my God. How lucky are you? Just the go dream. to.
2: There'll be a link in the show notes or you can just go to youtube.com slash stupid old channel. Mm. We've also got our own YouTube channel, which is slash dig on pod, where we put all these episodes up. And, and a bunch of those episodes are in video format.
0: Yeah. <gasps> I know. Wow. It's pretty exciting. In all
2: three Ds. Well, two Ds. Two
0: Ds in those cases. You can find us on all socials at do go on Pod, and our email address is dogoonpod at gmail.com. Um, but I think that's all that we have to say. Yeah.
2: I think merch is back up and about. We Soon. have to shut it down because of um, COVID-related mailing restrictions, Mm. but that should be up soon. Yeah. I Sorry, I thought it was up.
0: (laughs) Not yet, but I can do it again soon. But it's coming
2: up soon. And I've got ideas for some new merch shirts. Great. Which um, I want to tell you about. Okay. I reckon we should start adding a few extra shirts in there. What do you think? Okay. I'll talk about this off air. (laughs) Sounds good. Dave, any final requests?
0: Um... Yeah, I would
1: love a cheese board.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: What's your favorite cheese? Oh, I know you like a blue cheese. A blue, I like a soft blue. Yep. I love a camembert.
2: <laughs> well, I like a, that's a
0: lie. I like a brie. I
2: like a cheddar. I'm I'm the basic bitch of cheese.
0: I mean brie. Oh, brie might be. <laughs> You're there with me. Brie's pretty basic. bitch. I
2: love a cheddar, maybe a smoky cheddar.
0: Mm. I love a bit of quince paste, and I certainly don't mind a dip.
2: Oh yeah, hummus. Love I love some hummus. olives. Calamata, if you please.
0: Oh me, me too. No, nah, don't like them. You guys can go nuts. Anyway, that's nuts. nuts would be yes, great please. Too. Almonds,
1: <laughs> cashews, Brazil nuts, walnuts.
2: It's fun coming down here to record south of the Yarra, so I can can have these fancy discussions about cheese balls. This
0: has never been so many loud cars go past my house ever until we're recording.
2: I reckon. Do you reckon some of them cut through?
0: I don't know. But if they did and if you heard them, sorry about that, but it is very unlike this street.
2: Yeah, this is a, a little dead-end street. Yeah,
0: like in me. In a dead-end town. I tried to wrap it up and then we just went on another tangent. Anyway, that's the end for this week. <laughs> Thanks so
2: much, everyone, for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, but, yeah, keep the in between, before next week's episode, there'll be a new uh, webisode. Mm. Um, so check that out on the stupid old channel. Please like and subscribe and share with your friends. It'd be great to get it out there amongst the world.
3: Please. Please. Please.
0: Please. Like us. <laughs>
1: Please.
2: <laughs> anyway, Dave.
1: All right. Thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. Bye.
2: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network.
0: Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
1: I mean, if you want. It's up to you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.